she still thinks she can get rid of me. But don't count on it, because, baby, I am back. Here. <laughs> Hi. Um, if you're listening to this, it means that I finally got focused enough to edit the episode. Yay! Um, welcome to the House of Music podcast. I am the hip-hop homegirl Tatiana Janine. And after an extremely long hiatus full of people sending me threats <laughs> on various social media platforms, House of Music is back, okay? And <laughs> I just want to say, like... If the episode doesn't come out on time next week, please don't threaten me. Like, give me two weeks of no threats. Because, like, I laugh at them. But then on the flip side, I understand that y'all be dead serious. And, like, okay. So, y'all know I got laid off from Town Square Media back in September. Um, And I was kind of, like, really sad after that. I was a little depressed and you know I began to question with like I'm in year this would be year 12 11 12 year 12 of me working in the entertainment industry and like different in various like places I've worked in television production I've worked on music video sets um short film sets indie films um I've held the corporate office on the television side and then the writing side blah 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 um So I was just questioning for a minute if this is like the life that I want to live because I spend a lot of time stressed and it's not particularly like good for my medical condition because I have lupus. So like I was just kind of feeling slumpy. I got super fat, (laughs) like super fat. Um, And I just, I just was like, loathing like I was sulking I was sulking a lot and then like you guys started to tell me like how much you miss house of music and it was I think it took about three or four y'all within like maybe maybe a span of a month Telling me, like, how y'all went back to listen to old House of Music episodes. Or some of y'all had um, just discovered House of Music because it was, like, mentioned on Jade and XD. Like, I probably was on there or something like that. Um, Shout out to them. And you guys talked about, like, how good it was and how much you missed it and stuff like that. And I think it was in, like, that moment, like, the third time it happened. And it happened, like, the third time it didn't even happen on Twitter. It happened on, like, Instagram. And that's when I realized, like, House of Music is actually bigger than me and I need to, like, get out my ass and bring it back because it's unique because it's, 
me a lady with boobs on the mic by herself talking about hip-hop like historically like I'm giving you it's almost like teaching a class um and I like it this way you know some of you guys who've been listening to House of Music since the beginning since what was that 2014 um yo Brooklyn's always loud for no reason some of y'all who's been listening from the beginning since 2014 know that we've been through a lot of formats guest hosts uh breaks and stuff but one thing is for sure like I've always been consistent and when I started the new format of just me by myself and having these themes telling these historical stories or these current stories like breaking down the Teke um case um I think it's important, like, I think my voice is important, whether it's 4,000 people listening or just four people listening. So, to those of you who harassed me on the internet, I appreciate it. Um, And stay on my ass, except for, like, the next two weeks. Like, just, I'm going to release an episode next week. I just, you know, I need to breathe between these um yeah so that's it and coming back um I decided to do this episode on the one person I think it was a fan favorite episode of last year besides that episode when I was drunk talking about Tanache and I don't know why y'all like that so much like that episode was a wreck but okay um <laughs> I I think everyone can agree that their favorite or maybe the overall best episode of last year was the episode about um the Lil Kim and Foxy Brown feud and how that basically went into like being behind the scenes to being public to being on wax which led to a shootout and Lil' Kim going to jail so I think everyone loved that like a lot of people still to this day talk about that episode so I figured you know it's Valentine's week um, if this episode actually comes out on Valentine's Day, it's, that means it's my birthday. So, happy birthday to me. Yep. Um, but you know, it's Valentine's week, Valentine's Day. And you know, some of y'all, y'all sugar daddies, they had to go take care of their wives today. And I know that's really hard for you. Or some of y'all sugar mamas had to, like, spend time with their ex-husband and kids today. Or your new boyfriend that you've been dating for, like, six months just popped up on the gram with a picture of his baby mother and their, like, six-year-old and talking about, like, she's pregnant again. And you're just confused. Or, um... Your baby father might have just popped up on Snapchat with a new girl 
that he bought a big ass eight feet teddy bear from FAO Schwartz. <laughs> and before you even tweet and ask, yes, yes, I am. Um, you know, a, a lot of people in the love department this week are taking L's. And so I feel like now would be a good time than any to discuss the relationship of Big and Lil' Kim. Why not? Their relationship, just the on-again, off-again relationship that they had, it has so many twists, turns, turns and drama that eventually it kind of became like, a rap beef and because of this because of it like spilling out on wax like them taking shots or dedicating straight verses to each other um it caused a rift in Biggie's marriage because he definitely had a whole wife named Faith Evans just like right there meanwhile him and Lil' Kim are taking shots on collabs. So, obviously, you all know about the Lil' Kim verse. I'm talking about her verse on um, Mary J. Blige's I Can Love You from <sighs> today. Today, Share My World is Mary J. Blige's best album. Because I, I don't know about y'all, but I shuffle back and forth between um my life and share my world being Mary J Blige's best album and then randomly one day I'll be like oh no Mary is her best album so I'm saying today whatever today is whatever today's date is as I'm recording um as I'm recording, I'm saying that Share My World is Mary's best album. But anyway, we all know the Kimverse on I Can Love You. But Biggie wrote a verse that a few people believe was about Faith Evans, but it just lyrically doesn't. And it's on Pissy Galore's album, Pissy Galore's self-titled album. And the song is called You To Be Be Happy. And I hate that I have to even use Pissy Galore's music in this. But I'm just going to call him Pissy Galore and not by his real name. Because he's the son of a bitch. And Def is just way too good for R. Kelly. Like, dead ass. That nigga has to go under the jail. Like, he got to go to jail for the rest of his life. He is a disgusting piece of trash. Ugh. Like, they should hang him from the Empire State Building by his dick. Like, he is disgusting. He is scum. Anyway, so, in 1995, Little Kim's star was basically on the rise, right? She is the tiniest person, all of, like, five feet, probably 110 pounds, 115 pounds at most, but she is the shining star of Junior Mafia, right? 
the first two singles, Players Anthem and Get Money, basically stamped her as a star. And um, Get Money ended up becoming like their first number one single on the uh, rap charts at like the in the 95, right? So at this point in um, 1995, Kevin Big, not Kevin Big, Big and Faith hadn't been married long, but they were separated, right? So Biggie started dating Charlie Baltimore. Yep, that Charlie Baltimore in 1995. Um, and Faith knew about it because, like, in her book... <laughs> don't ask me how I know this. So in Faith Evans' book, she said um, she knew that Biggie was dating Charlie Baltimore. But one time when she had um, s- snuck in his condo, on like Christmas Eve, she had found little Kim butt naked sleeping next to Big. And then Faith beat up Kim and like three members of Junior Mafia, I think it was C's, D-Rock, and Gutter, they all had to like escort Kim out the room. And when Kim had got dressed, Kim allegedly scratched Faith's car with a key and she dipped, right? <laughs> this is mess. So then Faith Evans also said after Kim left, she had sex with Big that night. And she believed that was the night um, her and Big conceived CJ together. Um, CJ was born in October 96, which was around the same time Lil' Kim's debut album, Hardcore, dropped, right? So, on November of 95, November 14th in, like, 1995, Pissy Galore's sophomore Pissy Galore's self-titled uh, sophomore solo album was released on um, Jive Records. <sighs> Ugh. So the song with Biggie um, called You To Be, Be Happy. Pissy Galore is basically begging his Pissy Galore is begging for his woman to come back. But Biggie is talking about a relationship that he had that made a turn for the worse. So the verse starts off like, Sitting, reminiscing on when you started dissing, spitting in faces in public places, Rolex with wood faces, had you chipper for months. So, oh shit, I got flow. Uh, so... You know, everybody knew that Biggie loved Kim, right? And anybody who knew Kim knew that she loved him back. So you wouldn't see them, like, without each other. And it was more 
just by their body language, if you look at like old interviews or even old Junior Mafia performances, um, their chemistry was more than a mentor protege type thing. So, of course, he was her big papa and he crowned her big mama. Their chemistry, it was just completely undeniable, right? So, things changed between Kim and Big when he married Faith Evans just two months after they met at a bad boy um, photo shoot in 1994. That is around the same time when Biggie and Kim's relationship turned violent. With Kim sometimes instigating the fight and striking the first blows. Um... One of Kim's best friends, Joan Neal, had once recalled in like a VH1 special about one time when Big allegedly knocked Kim out in a hotel lobby and dragged her across the floor. Even after Biggie married Faith, he still continued his relationship with Kim, but Faith became the priority, and that... That made Kim heart like Kim was heartbroken. So when Faith and Biggie had separated, basically a year later in '95, Kim assumed she would be the next in line as his leading lady. But that's when um, he started dating Charlie Baltimore, who. Jay-Z also shouted out in Allure, Tiffany Lane. So basically when Kim was playing a side chick to a new... How does that happen? How do you... I'm trying to compute the computers, right? So I'm trying to figure out how do you play the side to the wife, the wife dips, and then you play the side to a new bitch. Like, shouldn't order, like, shouldn't the order automatically, she goes up? Like, does she have to interview for a promotion or something? I don't get it. Like, anyway, so basically at that point when Big started messing with Charlie Baltimore, Kim thought she was worthless and, um... She just, you know, I think, I think it plays a lot into things that Kim did as far as plastic surgery and stuff later. But Charlie Baltimore, um, when she did an interview in 2009, she, she recalled like this one time when she went on tour with Junior Mafia and Big. And she found her um, her clothes scattered like all around the to- the tour bus, and Biggie basically said it was Kim rummaging through her stuff, and then he kicked he physically kicked Kim off of the tour bus. And you know Biggie has had a history of dealing with women with hot tempers. So, I don't think it's far-fetched that that happened. And the next bars are very, to me, in my opinion, makes it very clear that it's about Kim over anyone else. Big says, 
made some dough, did some shows, now you start in the front. Obviously, Lil' Kim was the star of Junior Mafia. That goes without saying. But rumors of Biggie always writing her rhymes have tainted her legacy. Like, if we're being completely honest about it. No matter what. I And I'm guilty of making the jokes, too. Not necessarily about Big, but when people talk about The Naked Truth, I'm like, oh... Mayno's real debut album or stuff like that. Like, I, I play into it, too. So, I'm not going to sit up here and cast a stone and act like I haven't done a Lil' Kim ghostwriting joke. Because I have. I definitely have. But that whole, like, ghostwriting thing has basically tainted her legacy when people, like, go to rank MCs, whether it's just female rappers or... MCs in general because I don't know about anybody else but I have women in my top 10 MCs of all time like I have a top 10 rappers list and I have a top 10 MC list and I feel like there's a difference between a rapper and an MC like Rakim is an MC Kanye West is a rapper if you understand what I'm saying like an MC requires a lot to me, like, Lil' Kim is a rapper. Um, but Rhapsody would be, or even Jean Grey would be an MC. Um, I think Megan Thee Stallion is an MC. Because not only is Megan Thee Stallion sexy, and she tall as shit, and gorgeous, but Mama rhymes like Pimp C, like... She she rhymes with Pimp C and it flows so well. Megan Thee Stallion flows like a Texas pimp. That's real. So I think Megan Thee Stallion is an MC, but I think Kim I think Kim has written her rhymes more times than not. And going back to like Junior Mafia, when they recorded their debut album Conspiracy, Big basically put all nine members of Junior Mafia in a gauntlet. He was like, whichever one wrote the best verse would be on the album. It's 15 songs on the album. Lil' Kim appears on five. So basically, the Junior Mafia album was a setup for her debut album, Hardcore. Jacob York, who is an entertainment lawyer, well, entertainment manager, said that Big never wrote any of... um. Kim's rhymes but he did help her with her delivery because she was short skinny and had a soft voice Big wanted her voice to be deeper and he wanted it to basically command the room he wanted her to turn basically into a female version of him um you can go on YouTube and there's a queen bitch demo of Biggie rapping Queen Bitch and the cadence of how he wanted Kim to um, rap the song. And if you know Queen Bitch, you know like the breaths in Queen Bitch are hard as hell to get. Like, especially with that got buffoons eating my pussy while I watch cartoons, sleep till noon, rap Pam Gris here, baby drinkers beware, mostly dough she wear. Like, those breaths are hard as shit. And then it's, who you loving, who you wanna be hugging? 
rope with niggas that be bugging, thugging. Like, Queen Bitch has a different type of delivery. I don't even think we discuss the delivery of Queen Bitch enough. The lyrics are A1, absolutely, but the delivery, the delivery of Queen Bitch is what sets it apart from any female rap song that has ever come out. Like, the flow was different. We talking about 1996. There is a way, I feel like there are women rappers who have evolve in flowing techniques and styles that don't get enough credit. MC Light is one of those people. Um, Queen Latifah is another one. I would definitely say Salt and Pepper. And I think Kim, not only on Queen Bitch, but also on but also on the entire Notorious KIM album, I think, you know, we don't give her enough credit for her delivery. Foxy too. Foxy rap like a nigga. It's it's girls out now like who I feel like have very strong and aggressive flows who should actually get some shine. And I know y'all gonna laugh when I say their names, but Nia Lee Nia Lee has gotten so much better as a rapper. Um like she has really good flow. She has this song with Cash Dial that I think is a hit. Um, and another one, she who also was on Love and Hip Hop, Cayenne. I I love Cayenne's flow. Cayenne has such an amazing flow and her voice, like her voice is that little Kim Foxy Brown deep voice where it it commands the room where it takes over the room where she is forcing you to look at her. Jacob York was also saying that when Big would try to write for Kim, she will always write something better and more well-suited for her. Um, and then lay down the verse. Apparently this happened when they created um, Get Money. So basically... In the early Kim days, Junior Mafia, the writing of hardcore, Kim was in a competition. So she just turned into what a lot of people who were in the room at that time would say into a beast, making herself lyrically stand out, which, again, being the only woman in this group, being the shortest, the littlest, with this soft voice, you have to be. So, going back to Biggie's verse on You To Be Be Happy. You don't have to listen to the song to um, get the reference. Just, like, Google the lyrics. But the next bar is, um, I regret putting you on to baguettes. Honeysuckle slits Vicky's secret, um, Vicky secret pajama sets. You was a Reebok vandal, now you wear Chanel sandals. I made you. Why would I play you? Which, you know, Freeway reuses that. What is that song? Take This Hop with uh, 50 Cent. That's my joint. That's like one of my favorite Freeway songs. It's so cheesy. Shouty, if you love me like you lost me, you can't find your way without me. And before y'all ask, yes, yes, I am. 
again, going back to a lot of people who have the theory that this verse was about faith because him and faith were separated at the time, it's impossible for a bar that says, I regret putting you onto baguettes to be about faith because in no way, shape or form did Biggie have anything to do with Faith Evans' career and how she became that girl on the scene writing songs about ugly men and singing in that tone, that beautiful voice. It's fine. By the time that entire bad boy photo shoot happened with Faith, Biggie, and Craig Mack in 94, Faith already had credited background vocals on Mary J. Blige's album, and she wrote for Usher debut album and Mary J. Blige's album. Um, The line couldn't have been about Charlie Baltimore because their relationship in 1995 was a little bit too new. For those of you who might not have known, Charlie Baltimore was in a group with Biggie and Jay-Z called The Commission. Biggie had introduced Charlie to Unriviera. Biggie introduced Charlie to Unriviera, who signed her to his Undies um, label. So, Charlie's career after that went absolutely nowhere. Neither one of those things furthered her career for Big to, like, claim he put her on. With the success of Get Money, Lil' Kim was slowly building herself into a household name. Biggie always knew that she was going to be a superstar, but he he also felt like he needed to have some type of control, which caused more conflicts between him and Kim in and out of the studio. So one time, Charlie Baltimore overheard a conversation between Big and um, Riviera about how a male mentor in the music industry needs to have sex with their female artists to gain control over her. Charlie believed that Un and Big were debating who should have, quote, sex, sexual control over Lil' Kim because towards the end of recording Kim's debut album, Hardcore, she was having a lot of problems. The biggest problem, unbeknownst to Charlie, being that Kim was pregnant. Kim was at a crossroad where she basically had to choose her career as a rapper or have the baby with the person who she thought was the love of her life, which was Biggie. You know, we're still talking about 1996 here where being a female artist and getting pregnant is frowned upon. You know, when Vanessa Williams was pregnant in the late 80s, early 90s, her song went to Pebbles and then boop, Pebbles allegedly stealing from artists and giving them rap fours. Um... (laughs) So, in regards to Kim being pregnant, Biggie told her that the baby wouldn't be good for business. So, Jacob York gave her money to get an abortion. Jacob York said a piece of her died that day. And literally, the next day, she was back in the studio and wrapped up hardcore. So, with the free time, it gave her time to do collaborations. 
She was supposed to appear on the Jodeci Love You For Life remix, but Casey said that Biggie blocked her from doing it. In 96, um, Mary was recording her third studio album, Share My World, and Kim dropped a verse for the second single, that great song called I Could Love You. Um, And the song contained a sample, and the song contained a sample of, of course, Queen Bitch um, and Cypher Sounds, who at the time was Lil' Kim's tour DJ. In an interview with Genius, he recalled the time Lil' Kim wrote the verse for I Can Love You on the plane to a show in Texas, I believe. And he noticed early on in the writing that it was about Big. Of course, naturally, the standout line is, in love with you since the days of Juicy. Now I watch you play Columbo, Picasso, Tricks and Psycholossals, Turn Your Castles to Brothels. Huh. <laughs> Besides the obvious of like saying that she's been in love with Big since his 1994 hit single Juicy hit the airwaves, Kim was accusing Big of having too many bitches, too many different women outside of their relationship and turning their kingdom into a brothel. In the next bar, um, Kim kind of repurposed some bars from Queen Bitch and threw it back in big face. Who you loving, who you want to be hugging is basically Kim demanding to know if it's her, Charlie, or Faith. She loved big. She even said on the so- on the on the song like she will lie, die, testify, and hold a gun for him. That ain't my testimony. That's not how I roll. Like I said one time, I'm not a ride or die bitch. I'm a ride and let me out right here type of bitch. I'm a ride and call me when you get home type bitch. I'm not no ride or die. I'm not lying. I'm not testifying. I'm definitely not dying. And I don't want my fingerprints on no guns. No. No. When Jay-Z said, I'll never make the news again, my man will shoot you. I took that to heart. I ain't the man. I'm the one who's never making the news again. Um, Basically, and I know I say this a lot. I say that share my world and um, my life taught me a lot about desperation and love at a very young age but on I Can Love You both Kim and Mary are basically begging Kim is begging to be loved by Biggie Biggie oh my god like Kim is begging the notorious B.I.G. P-O-P-P-A to love her. <sighs> Think on that. I mean, it could be worse than miseducation of Laura Hills about white love. So Kim is also displaying that she's yearning to be the only woman that he needs. By the end of her verse, Kim is fed up and she's basically ready to end things with big 
but a piece of her feels obligated to play her position because he created her and well not created her but for the position he's created for her in the music industry and everything that he's done to elevate her career so that last bar because of you i'm inheriting trillions buried in billions bentley coops millions playing good samaritan in the sheridan crack the dom peas and remies you better hurry in who gonna love you like i do huh what who gonna treat you like i do huh nobody crack the dom p and remy is a play on the last line of um biggie's verse on you to be be happy the last bar is think about it why the streets you roam is dom p and chrissy in the fridge when you get home while Big um, bragged about showering Kim with gifts on you to be be happy, Kim basically expressed her frustration about loving her mentor, being a secret lover, and being pushed to last place behind Faith and Charlie Baltimore. The abortion seemed to be the breaking point, the breaking point in their relationship. But before Big died, he called Kim to make peace with her and apologized for all the wrongdoing that he did when they were together. Um, Kim hearing that apology basically gave her a sense of hope that their relationship will be just he, him and her when he got back from LA. But unfortunately, Biggie was murdered the next day. I don't know if y'all ever seen footage of Kim outside of Big's funeral, but it is by far, like, it's some of the most, because of the way she's carrying on, like, the way she's she is screaming on the street. It takes Mary J. Blige, Half of 112, Mace, uh, Puffy, Miss Wallace, uh, Loon, and Danny Kane to hold her back <laughs> and like calm her down to get her in the limo. Like it's crazy as hell to watch. It's crazy as hell to watch for so many reasons, but it's like that footage of her, she is pale as hell and she just looks devastated. That that is some heartbreak like shit. Um Biggie's death was completely traumatizing to Kim and she rapped about it on the notorious um KIM on a song with Mary J. Blige called Hold On. She talked in detail about the abortion she had, um, hating his killers and leaving something for his kids in her will. Since Biggie's death, he's been listed as the executive producer on all of his albums. So it ensures that his kids receives a profit from her sales. Um, 20 years after Big's death, Kim and Faith made peace. And were extremely friendly together um, on the Bad Boy 20th 
reunion tour. Um, I think Kim was on the King and I joint album. Um, yeah. That is a lot. Like... I don't know. I I don't know what... When I hear about... I think hip-hop has a major problem. This is a whole different discussion. But of the entire Kim and Biggie story, the thing that stands out to me is what Charlie Baltimore said about the the sexual power. I think hip-hop has a huge problem with men trying to be sexually dominant over women in this industry especially um especially women artists i was watching melly um melly's ebro in the morning interview a couple weeks ago and she just bust out crying in the middle of her interview reminiscing like about how a former manager tried to sexually take advantage of her i thank god every day that he made me fat even though now i've gained like too much weight and I gotta lose it. I'm looking like um, Minnie from Little Women Atlanta. And I just don't want to look like that. So my ass is going on the Daniel fast. And going to the gym after my birthday. But I thank God he made me fat. Because I've never been in that space. Knock on wood in this industry where like a man has tried to take advantage of me. And I like, I look like a bitch. I'm one of the sweetest people in the world. But I look like a bitch. Like, I look like a a raging bitch. I look like I will fucking shoot you and stand there and wait for the police. So I acknowledge that I don't look the most approachable. Um, And it worked in my favor. But... If you were feeling really depressed this Valentine's Day because your sugar daddy is in the Alps with his wife and he just sent you um, a set of them $100 flowers that don't die for like a year, this should make you feel better. Um, House music is officially back. Like, I'll be out on a weekly basis. I don't know what day of the week. I don't know what time. It's just dropping when it drops. Um... I miss you guys. I really call y'all the bras because y'all support me and because my boobs are big. So, like, the bras is my beehive. And um, the emoji is the polka dot bathing suit. Um, So, the bras, we in here. I'll see y'all next week. We're going to talk about the current shift that is going on. And female rap. Um, Cardi B's Grammy win is going to be the catalyst for a major shift that is going to be reminiscent of the 90s. I can't wait. Just like Monique, I love you for free, sugar. Wrap your arms around yourself. You've just been her. Thank you for listening to another episode of House of Music. I'm glad to be back. Rate and leave comments in the app store, whether you're using Google or um, iTunes. Hit me on Twitter 
at Tatiana Janine. Um, Instagram at Tatiana Janine. Oh, the hiphophomegirl.com is launching soon. And I have a hip hop homegirl Instagram where I do like little news posts and stuff like that. So follow me there. Um, I think that's it. If you want to buy me a drink for my birthday, I'll send you my Venmo info. Just let a nigga know. I'm out.